What's up, Ken folk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the bear in the B1G. I will explain what I mean. We're also going to talk about who I think is next up to have a tremendously big year. Probably shocks nobody that I'm going to say this person's name, but it's Jack Sawyer. We'll talk about why I think that is and what's in store for him and the Ohio State defense. And I want to talk about why we're still sleeping on, not even sleeping on, just not giving the appropriate amount of respect to the reigning Big Ten champions and what that says about the state of Michigan football and more or less the state of college football. also want to get into a bit of how I think the offense for Ohio State is going to go and what it might mean for Jackson Smith and Jigba to, you know, Go for another 1,500, 1,600-yard season and what that might look like at the end of the year. But first, I want to follow up on Tuesday's show where I ended talking about Kirby Smart, who had given some opinions about players making money, big money, on name, image, and likeness at the Texas High School Football Coaches Association meeting two weeks ago. So he hopped on a plane that cost about $35,000 round-trip private to fly to that convention in San Antonio to talk at length with those coaches. He's tired of talking about NIL. I share that with him. But he did make reference to a number of good things that are going on with Georgia, one of which is 95 of his players have NIL deals of some sort. That's pretty good, right? Texas Tech is going to make sure that number is 100 for them, 85 scholarship players plus their top 15 walk-ons. And we're seeing these sorts of consortiums pop up all over college football. Now, what I think is interesting about that is that Kirby does not have a problem with players making money. However, he does have a problem with them making a lot of money. So as I had said in Tuesday's show, I want to give him his full quote here before I give you my opinion about it. So I'm going to just reiterate. What I can't accept is young men, or a young man, excuse me, some young men, getting $10,000 a month for four years or three years of college. That's $120,000 a year. What do you think he's doing with that? Is that actually going to make him more successful in life? Because I promise you, if you handed me $10,000 a month, my freshman year of college, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. I believe that. That was a Tuesday. That following Thursday, it was announced Kirby Smart had signed a 10-year, $112.5 million contract to stay at Georgia. That means Kirby Smart, who said that he has a problem with players getting paid $10,000 a month, a figure that he pulled out, a figure that he was the first to say, is going to make over $900,000 a month. About $933 and $33 and $33 and change because you get that repeated three over the course of this deal. So let me follow it up by saying this. Georgia responded to a head coach leading it to its first national championship in 41 years by making him the highest paid employee at any public university in the entire country. Okay? Let me say that again. Georgia responded to winning its first national championship in four decades by making that man that runs the football team the highest paid employee at a public university. Now, 
talk to me about how NIL is getting out of hand. All right? Because it's not. It doesn't go far enough in my estimation. But to Kirby's point about, hey, I'm trying to fortify these men for what life is going to be like, that's not your job. I fervently believe that nobody gets to walk through life without facing adversity. Adversity will find you. It doesn't matter. It will find you. There's nothing you can do to stop adversity from coming to you. A football coach's job, when they want to talk about not coaching football, is to prepare their players for that adversity and to help them overcome it when it shows. You don't prepare it by putting impediments in their way. Resistance is part of life. And that's why you lift weights, quite honestly, is the resistance makes you stronger. But you are engaging in that activity yourself. Somebody wants to pay you $10,000 for being, by God, you take the money. Matter of fact, kiddos, this one's for you. Get your money. Secure the bag. Get all of this. You are worth every red cent. And as I will say, when an FCS team hops up and beats a FBS team, put the money in the bag. Make them. This is your time, son. All right? Now, on top of this, for all the people that want to tell me about a scholarship and what that's worth, first, I'm going to point you to uh, the trillion dollars debt. Cool, right? We got that. Student loan debt. You could escape that. That's great. But if you can make money on top of getting an education for free, ostensibly for free, as if you're not paying for this with your body, taking hits, then do that. If you can come out, say, $120,000 a year over four years, that's nearly half a million dollars. Plus your education, you have fortified yourself and your family for future success. Okay. I understand that it makes some people uncomfortable to know that an 18 year old is going to out earn them, but I would point them to 2003's NBA draft. Nobody had a problem with LeBron James making millions of dollars or Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade. There's something about us as adults that don't like to see somebody half our age. I'm 35 this month making that kind of money. I don't particularly care because at the height of what they are doing, and this includes Kirby Smart, they are singular. That's the reason that they get paid this much money is because nobody on earth can do what they do. Now, it's also about numbers here, right? I believe that teachers should be paid more than college football coaches or even football coaches, but that's not the way that we do this because we have so many teachers and not a bunch of great college football coaches, right? That's where supply right, does not outpace demand there. We have way fewer good college football coaches than we do good teachers, as much as I think that sucks, and we're back uh, back assward about that. I think as much as Kirby Smart wants to keep the lid on what his kids can make, you're only pushing this into the inevitable for me, because it wasn't that long ago that we would have never allowed for a college football player to make any money whatsoever, to accept a free friggin' t-shirt. Now we're on the space where, okay, cool, if they want to make some endorsement money or somebody wants to pay them a little bit of endorsement money, we're going to allow that. No, that's not far enough. Where you need to go with this is they are state employees too. They should earn a salary. I believe they should have a collective bargaining agreement with these institutions that make these billion-dollar television contracts. I believe that some of that money, half of it really, should be pooled for them. The other half for the administrators, of which I would put coaches in. When I got position coaches that can make half a million dollars for coaching wide receivers, and I don't have wide receivers that make half a million dollars for catching 100 balls in 1,600 yards with 33 touchdowns, there's an imbalance in place here. And we are the reason that it is. I don't really fault Kirby Smart here. I don't really fault 
the administrators or even the university presidents here. I fault us because we allow it. We have decided this is the kind of football that we want to see from college. I'm here to tell you it's not what I would like to see. It's not ideal for me. And I soon think you're going to agree with me. You're going to see the hits the players take. You're going to see what it does to their brains. You're going to see how physically violent this sport is. And then you're going to see the thrill they give you. Because there will be nothing that I cherish more than watching Oklahoma win a national championship again. It's eighth national championship until the next one and the next one and the next one, right? The kiddos, on the other hand, are going to play this game at a very high level. And they're going to risk a lot to do it. Why? So we can feel entertained. Okay? If you are going to ask that of them, the least you can allow is that they make an appropriate amount of money for the risk that they take. Okay. I want to go from that to this. The bear in the B1G's original beef in realignment. All right. So preface this by saying, if you have not watched the bear on the Hulu, you should get on the Hulu and watch the bear. Okay. All your friends, all your cool friends, they've already seen it. Just matter of it. Like the tastemaker in your friend group. Yes. That person has good things to say about the bear. All the yes chef, all the herd, all the Richie going out there with a gun to fire it in the air, talking to people like they're weirdos. It's all there for you. But the way I go at this is the original beef is the restaurant that is in question. And the original beef has new ownership. Fellow by the name of Carmen Bezzeruti, Carmi or Carmi Bear, right? He and a new chef, his sous chef, gets hired to go and basically not just take over the bear, but reinvented into something that might be absolutely cool and stand alone in Chicago. It's a little bit more nuanced than that, but that's the brass tacks of it. In this particular analogy, Carmi and Sid, who just walk into the bear and start changing stuff or change up the environment, are USC and UCLA. You have invited a blue blood of the highest caliber in USC Carm and a really good college football program, if not a really outstanding athletic program in UCLA to join up. And that's going to cause all sorts of cultural issues. I think everybody in the Big Ten is on board with this, right? That's that's a great place to start. That nobody in the Big Ten is looking at USC and UCLA and saying they shouldn't be here or why are they here? Everybody understands what they contribute to the conference and how they're going to make the conference even better and compete on par with the SEC, 16 teams to 16 teams. And I could say that one-to-one, they're all pretty doggone good, right? If you're looking at the bottom of the Big Ten, let's say Illinois, Nebraska, Northwestern on average, right? And you look at the bottom of the SEC, Vanderbilt, Missouri, depending on how you want to view Mississippi State or you want to view Ole Miss at times, right? That's where you're going, right? You could still say that The SEC is the best college football conference in the country because look at the national championships, but the Big Ten is right there. I find it interesting that we're getting into what I'm calling the Bear Conference, heading into Big Ten Media Days as I'm there now, and what people are willing to say or not say, honestly, about USC and UCLA. And a lot has been made about the Olympic sports and how they're going to be impacted by this, meaning that you're going to have a softball player that gets on a plane on a Tuesday and flies up to called Michigan, right, Ann Arbor, to play uh, a softball game and then have to go back to class. I think you're going to have to figure that part out. 
I think that's going to be somebody's job that they're probably underpaid to figure out the strategy for that. But it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to happen because football makes money at universities. Those are things that really do help supply the funding for you to go and make those sorts of outreach. Like the way I look at this is Ohio State is one of the world's best research universities. Okay. And I believe one of the reasons that is is because the football team's been good for a very long time. It's not to say that the money that the football team makes goes directly toward creating new professors and creating new students that absolutely are on top of their game, though it might. It is to say, if you want to see the average ACT score of your university rise, the best way to do that is to have a good football team. It happened at Alabama. As soon as Nick Saban showed up and started winning national championships, they were getting applications from the kinds of students that they always wanted to have from around the country. Okay? You can get really, really good at all areas of your university by fielding an outstanding football team. Now, if you have a every year, USC playing Ohio State, USC playing Michigan, in addition to USC playing Notre Dame, you're going to have even more reach. You get to go to the West Coast in a way that you've never been able to go to the West Coast. Like, I understand that Ohio State can recruit anywhere they want, and most Big Ten teams can do that anyway. But it's something else to say, no, we traveled to the Rose Bowl on general principle because that is where the games are played, as opposed to only seeing the Big Ten champion or the team that did not qualify for the college football playoff because they lost the Big Ten championship playing the Rose Bowl. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I also think there's going to be a lot of unforeseen consequences, right? Unintended consequences. And one of those is just going to be the culture shock, I think. Uh, seeing USC play in the Big Ten championship at Lucas Oil Stadium in the dead of winter is going to be an experience I don't think many people will forget. Or seeing a USC or UCLA travel to Ann Arbor in November <laughs> is going to be an experience a lot of people will never forget. Also, on the flip side, What's it going to be like for Wisconsin to be able to play a game in L.A. in November, in October, or, my goodness, apart from January, right? That's just going to be a lot of fun. And we have all these games that are going to be the kind of things that we circle on the calendar. But it also leads me to this. The Power Five is done. I've said that. We're down to two conferences. You also are in a space where you have brand-name football teams like Ohio State, like Michigan that exists to play Alabama or Georgia in the college football playoff, and all of the other schools are going to exist to play them, okay? We're getting to a place to where the Mountain West teams, like Utah State, who's going to open against Alabama, exist for that game. They only exist for that week one where Alabama wants to warm up before they go play an eventual brand-name team that everybody wants to see them play. Perhaps that's Texas, right, September 10th. I think that's where we're headed, but that's the kind of sport that we've more or less always wanted is how it seemed. Because as soon as we decided that, hey, we want to see every football game that's being played, what else we decided was, hey, RJ, you are in the minority of people that's going to stay up to watch Pac-12 after dark or to watch Fresno State, uh, UCLA, or USC. Most people are going to want that big noon game. They're going to watch Ohio State play whomever or Oklahoma play whomever, and they're going to go on about their day. I think as you get wise to that and you really think about what kind of college football you want, that's going to be interesting for you. And you're going to have that opportunity, right? We're going to see it again as Notre Dame is trying to figure out what they're going to do here in a couple of years. Are they going to stick with their own broadcast rights? Are they going to join a conference? These are interesting questions that are going to need to be asked. 
But it was an opportunity for me to talk about the Bears, opportunity for me to talk about USC, UCLA joining the Big Ten as we're at Big Ten Media Days. I'm glad I got to do that. Okay, other thing going on in the Big Ten is that Ohio State's really good. Shocker there, right? <laughs> now, I go there a little bit farther in that C.J. Stroud probably wins the Heisman Trophy if a couple things happen. He would win the Heisman Trophy if Travion Henderson goes for 1,500 yards all-purpose, if Jackson Smith and Jigma has another 1,500-yard receiving season, uh, and Ohio State puts up 50 like we expect them to, and all they do is make the Big Ten Championship and win. For other teams, that feels impossible. For Ohio State, it feels like it should be old hat. And the reason I say C.J. would win is because C.J. would be the focus of that offense, and Heisman voters have shown me time and time again they don't actually watch football. And if they do watch football, they watch offense football. They just do not want to see a guy like Will Anderson win the Heisman Trophy or do not want to see a guy like Chase Young win the Heisman Trophy. It's a quarterback award, right? Oh, Devontae Smith won. Yes, he was the first wide receiver to win the award in 30 doggone years. Okay, you got to go all the way back to guys going both ways like Charles Woodson before you get to the last wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy, Desmond Howard, Michigan. That in and of itself is ridiculous. But also, I think C.J. Stroud is probably going to win the Heisman Trophy because the Heisman voters have also demonstrated they don't want to award the damn thing twice. Far be it from them to have a two-time, three-time even Heisman Trophy award winner. Archie Griffin still retains that title of being the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner in the history of the sport. Now, also, a lot of things going well for Archie, because if Archie played at Toledo, nobody would care. You know how nobody would care? Or I know nobody would care, because Chuck Ely went undefeated at Toledo from 1967 to 1969 as a quarterback, and they didn't care at all. Play like, hey, so? Well, hey, man, I'm in the same state as Ohio State, and I'm cooking everybody we play. We don't care, son. We don't care because... You are not a brand name. You don't play at a brand name. And oh, none of the teams that you play are teams we care about. Archie Griffin was fortunate to play at a program that had already established itself in the previous 80 years of uh, being one of the blue bloods of the sport. And they handed him the doggone football. Okay? Bryce Young goes off again. Bryce Young makes the national championship game again. I can damn near guarantee he's not going to win the Heisman Trophy. Simply because they want to be like, no, we want to give it to somebody else even somebody that might not deserve it. Bryce Young goes with 6,000 yards passing, 65 touchdowns. Breaks every record that there is, maybe, maybe. But even then, I got a hard time saying that he's going to repeat. And then you look down the line, it would have to be Jackson Smith and Jigba going for something like 2,400 yards receiving. It would, he would have to be the offense for him to win that award in a way that C.J. Stroud just seems like the guy that's existing to throw him passes. And that's just not the way that it's been going at Ohio State since Ryan Day has been there. The quarterback has been influential. Uh, even in a year where J.K. Dobbins rushes for 2,000 yards, Justin Fields is the Heisman finalist. That's how important a quarterback is, not just to Ohio State, but to Heisman voters. So as much as I would really like to see Bryce Young repeat, maybe even forego the next year, come back and get a third one if he could, I just don't expect it. And I believe that Ohio State's going to have the best offense in the country, full stop. Just, it's nasty over there. I mean, I could talk about the wide receiver group for an hour. I could talk about the running back group for another half hour. And I could talk about those three quarterbacks alongside, or two quarterbacks alongside C.J. Stroud for another half hour because they're just that good. If they can protect him, give him a little bit of time, open some running lanes for Trey Henderson, they're going to just be nasty. Good luck stopping that offense. Sticking with Ohio State, 
I identify a couple of players each and every year that I think are going to have breakout seasons, right? I was way ahead on the Travion Henderson thing because I just saw what his tape was at Hopewell, Virginia, and it's a 10-minute highlight reel of him not being tackled. Like, <laughs> that was an easy one. I want to pat myself on the back too much for that one because that, that seemed easy. If you care about recruiting, if you care about high school and a lot of college football, people just don't. I don't know why they don't because that's, that's what it is. If you're talking about a committed quarterback, you're late. Like, you, I can go on about that, but I won't. I was a little bit ahead on the whole Trey Sermon thing because Ohio State was the only fit I saw when he went into the portal. They needed a tailback. They needed a tailback with some gravitas and with some pedigree. And it didn't go well there to start, but then it went real well toward the end, right? Playing the national championship game. And this year, I think on the defensive side, it's time for Jack Sawyer to announce himself to the college football world. Many of you will know Jack Sawyer. If you follow recruiting at all, it's hard to miss. He was one of the best players in the class of 2021. Number one player in the state of Ohio, which is nothing small. That state loves its football and plays it well. But he also was going in with the number one overall recruit in that class, which is JT Tui Molau. And you're going to have bookends. You're going to have JT Tui Molau over there. You're going to have Jack Sawyer over there in a couple of years. Zach Harrison still might have something to say about this. But Jack Sawyer also has some wear left on his tires that other players don't. He forewent his senior year at Pickerton North, where as a junior, he also had his season cut short due to injury. But he played both ways. He had. 79 of 35 passing with 1,000 yards passing and nine touchdowns passing as a quarterback. That dude's playing end at Ohio State. If you look at Jack Sawyer and you think that that's the third Joey, uh, the, the third Bosa brother, right, following Joey and Nick, nobody's going to tell you that you're wrong because his hands are that good. And he's playing for the best defensive line coach in all of football, if not all of the sport, right? Larry Johnson Sr. is that dude. He is absolutely that dude, and he is known as that dude, not just at Ohio State, but within that coaching staff. As a matter of fact, when Ryan Day had to miss a game due to COVID, guess who got tapped to be the interim head coach? Yeah, it was Larry Johnson Sr. Guys show up to play for that man, and he makes them better. He makes talented players better. The way I always tend to look at this is if I gave you a Formula One car or I gave you a Ferrari, let's, let's make it a Ferrari, right, just like an F40. Your job isn't necessarily to make that F40 better because it's, it's pretty doggone good. Your job is to not break it. Your job is to find just a little bit of extra speed out of it. Larry Johnson Sr. does that with that defensive line year after year after year. Those dudes show up looking like monsters, and they come out looking like, ah, real monsters. I think this is Jack Sawyer's time. I think he is more than due to have this kind of impact on an Ohio State defense that's going to need it desperately, right? Jim Knowles is introducing a brand new scheme that can work, but took some time at Oklahoma State to work. I think they're going to have a little bit of a head start there because Tanner McAllister, former safety at Oklahoma State, transferred to Ohio State. And if it's going the way I think it goes, something like a grad assistant on the field for Jim Knowles because he knows where everybody is supposed to be, right? You get great play out of guys like Taraja Mitchell. You get great play out of your corners. You get some outstanding play at a defensive line like you're used to. You get back to something like that 2019 defense, and it's easy to see Ohio State being in the national championship. But you're also going to need a guy like Zach Sawyer, like Jack Sawyer, like Zach Harrison, like JT Tumalau to show up and get you some double-digit sacks. I think he's going to be in a position to do this because a lot of people are going to focus their attention on Zach Harrison or even JT. 
and he's going to be over there going ape. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think also it's important to it's important to lay out what a defensive end or uh, an edge player is capable of in this defense. Colin Oliver went to Edmond Santa Fe in Edmond, Oklahoma. Chose to go to Oklahoma State. I didn't know that that was a great decision by him until he showed me. He had 11 and a half sacks as a true freshman in that defense. You can eat over there if you know how to get off the ball. And Jack Sawyer absolutely knows how to get off the ball. So if Colin Oliver can get to 11 and a half sacks, being the kind of blue chip player that he was, what could Jack Sawyer be able to do? What could any of those guys at edge be able to do in this defense? It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Okay. Last thing to end on here today is this conversation about Michigan, who ought to feel really dangerous. They ought to feel really, really good. Because I'm here to tell you, man, sports runs on spite. And sports runs on, no, 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 you doubted me. And I have to show you, you were wrong to ever doubt me. Michigan shows up, beats the hell out of Ohio State running the football, right? Then goes to the Big Ten Championship game, beats the hell out of Iowa, who made a, a, a real meal out of playing great defense, makes the college football playoff with the Big Ten Championship, and then we just forget about them. Now, A, you get blown out in the Orange Bowl by the eventual national champion. I mean, Oklahoma sympathizes. But also in there, hey, man, that's still Jim Harbaugh. That's still Wolverine. That's still the maize in blue. But we also saw Jim Harbaugh flirting with not being head coach of Michigan anymore. We also saw Jim Harbaugh lose both of his coordinators. Mike McDonald goes back to the NFL. Josh Gaddis takes a job at Miami. You're going to have to really rely on guys like Sharon Moore to pick up the slack. Sharon Moore, who produced the best offensive line in football. I don't say that. The Joe Moore Award said that. That's where the trophy is. Sharon Moore, who's going to be co-offensive coordinator this year. I also believe that if he gets anything like that offensive line that he had last year, he's going to be looking at a head coaching job real quick, which is not bad for a guy who's had just two FBS stops in his career, Louisville and Central Michigan, before ending up at Michigan. But I haven't seen a defending Power 5 champion shown this much disrespect since, frankly, 2017 Oklahoma, right? That was a great football team that fell just short of playing for the national championship in a game that I thought they could have won because they were a better matchup for Alabama than Georgia. But, same to say, they get back to the playoff and they lose again and so forth so on. But they do get back to the playoff. And the way they get back to the playoff is by winning a Big Ten championship or a Big 12 championship. I think Michigan's in a position to defend here. Now, I'm not going to pick them. I pick Ohio State. However, I'd be here for Michigan showing me once again that I'm wrong because I picked Ohio State last year, just like most of you did. And I'll go at it this way. Enzo Ferrari creates Ferrari because he didn't get a job at Fiat. Okay? Ferrucci Lamborghini invents a Lamborghini because his Ferrari sucked and Enzo wouldn't fix it. You can keep going down the line. Ford goes into racing because Ferrari snubbed him. I can keep going. Baker Mayfield has a chip on both shoulders that goes back to high school because of a snub here and a snub there. Now, I don't think you can continue to do your job and be running on spite because I think it's eventually going to eat you alive and you're just going to be useless to all the people that want to believe in you. But going to do it for just one year. I think you can make that go. 
they can make that work. So if you want to tell me that Michigan is about it, about it this year, I'm going to go with that. But I need to see it. I need to see more J.J. McCarthy, who I think is the better option at quarterback, though Harbaugh's probably going to run out there with Kate McNamara again, who's just fine. But it's like Kelly Bryant being just fine at Clemson. If you got Trevor Lawrence, play Trevor Lawrence. You have J.J. McCarthy. Play J.J. McCarthy. That dude is going to terrorize other people with his legs. It matters. Look at this. He can also sling it down the field. I mean, it's against Ohio State's defense, which was garbage last year, but you understand. that I like watching this dude play football. I think he's got an opportunity here to be really, really good. Just give him a shot here. It's been long enough. Now. Last thing about this is that you want to prove that the game is no fluke. And you're in a position to do that, though. That's the thing. You lose to Son Haskins. I get it. But you got Blake Corum coming back. You got Donovan Edwards back there. Again, a lot of this comes back to Sharon Moore. And can he feel the kind of offensive line that can push around that Ohio State defense to say nothing of the other defenses they're going to face in the Big Ten? But I looked at the schedule. It's there for them. Just win the game. Win the game in November. Get back to the Big Ten championship. And then... Go run down whomever the Big Ten West goes up. Another reason they probably need to do away with division in the Big Ten altogether is because, you know, we're getting into a real 1990s NBA style of football over there in the Big Ten where we know that the Eastern Conference champ probably going to house the Western Conference champ. That's how it feels in the B1G right now. It's also going to be interesting to see if they do this before USC and UCLA get there in 2024 because a part of me wants to see USC and UCLA in the Big Ten West just to see. Yeah, that would go. But yeah, Michigan, have, have some stuff in your neck this year. See if you can't go at people like myself who just don't think you're good enough to repeat. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. My thanks to our associate producer, Tyler Wojak, leading the day. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus. Our social media maven is JV on Duncan. Our lead of screening is Rachel Cohen. And I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all next week. Deuces.